Hey everybody, I'm Peter, and I'm a murderous old raisin. He's a cute little bunny rabbit, it's mine! Welcome to Rebels Rebels, where two buds get spooky. Yep, we are closing out our spooky month with a review of the last three issues of Ghosts of Vader's Castle, the series, the spooky series from yeah. Star Wars Adventures. And we are also going to finish our talk on Star Wars Visions, which there's there's a couple spooky things. The Elder's kind of spooky, so sure. I think that kind of counts. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm really, I just want to, Call out a caveat. Yeah. And this is interesting to you, probably. I've recently switched to decaf coffee. Okay. So I'm sipping decaf coffee right now. So if my trademark enthusiasm is lessened, oh, wow. Then I just want that to be a disclaimer for the folks. Okay. Fair enough. Also, you know what? I kind of want to say this up top, which is I'm, I'm really excited about this. We are going to be releasing two episodes this week. So this is the spooky one and it is being released on halloween closing out the month and so the beginning of november we're gonna do a little fun experiment in between this and book of boba fett we've kind of alluded to it mike do you want to say a little tiny bit about maybe our adventures to another galaxy yeah we're gonna be spending some time watching star trek which is funny because i'm not a big star trek fan Peter, mm-hmm. you're a big Star Trek fan. Big. Yep. Big time. And um, you're basically, it's a challenge to try to convince me to like it. I'm interested. <laughs> that was a long pause for how for interested you are. The <laughs> pregnant pause with a, quite a letdown. Yes, yeah, so a nine months pregnant pause. But I will say. Um, the goal of this, you know, I'm not a big believer in necessarily like convincing people to like the things I like, but I think the goal of it is like Mike, um, shout out to the nineties McDonald's campaign. I want to be like Mike, like Mike. Um, I want to try to expose people who have maybe not ever explored Star Trek to check it out a little bit. And I'm sure a lot of people who are into, especially the animated stuff, some more emotional storytelling in Star Wars, might really take to some of the fun things in Star Trek. And so this is a good starting point if you've never really got into that universe and just want to see what it's about. It's not about convincing you to like it if you don't like it, but I hope that you go on this journey with us and, you know, we'll try to make it fun. Try. There is no try. There's only... Try. <laughs> yeah. Tell that to my mom. All right. You want to get into this? Let's start. You know what? Let's just go. Let's get spooky about this. And I think we can talk about the Star Wars adventure. This is, again, we're talking about issues three, four, and five of Ghosts of Vader's Castle. If you haven't yeah. read them yet, please check them out before you listen to this. But we can. I kind of want to talk about all three together, if that's okay. We can talk yeah. about all the issues, but I think one of the reasons it's cool we're doing it like this is I like that the story kind of coalesced in the last three issues. It did. It came together. Yeah, it still had kind of the spooky one-offs. There's a, especially in the first issue, there was a very clear you know, tribute to the creature of the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. um, swamp thing kind of thing. So they're still doing kind of the pastiche 
of the influences of horror movies. But yeah, this things are finally coming together where the crew is getting spooky dreams and they're all being kind of pulled to Vader's castle. And we are being introduced to HUD and Skrit. Mm-hmm. Two characters who remind me, were these from the old Vader's castle? It seems like they've been there before. They went through a spooky thing maybe last year. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, To be honest. Yeah, that was the struggle that they were going through is that Thom, I'm going to pronounce it Tom because it's probably just like a Star Wars thing. T-H-O-M is probably just Tom. Tom Hud. He uh, says that he's run into Van A and he's been having this recurring scary dream on Dagobah where he's being trained by Luke Skywalker and they're attacked by a swamp creature. And that's the precipice for him to get with his old crew and go back to Vader's castle and figure out what's causing these scary dreams. As we know, Lena is already on a path to try to rescue her brother from Vader's castle. So all the roads are coming together in a very cool way. And I really liked that. How did you feel generally about this arc, Mike? Yeah, I like this arc. I think it's fun. I think HUD is fun. I mean, it's hard to not like these. Um, I think I've said that before. I think HUD's a fun character. I think the the tormented dreams and the the switching between art styles to let you know you're in where you are, are you in whose dream you're in, yeah, or are you in cool. kind of the frame narrative around it all. I really like. And so this first one, uh, which is what D- dangers on Dagobah, monsters of Dagobah. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I have it up right now. Danger on Dagobah. Yep, danger on Dagobah. Um. It's it's just it's it's fun and it's a good introduction to HUD, this guy who's he seems like he's an artifact. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, what would you call him? Artifact expert? Yeah, I thought he was like some sort of engineer or something like that, but he's yeah, he seems to be hunting for you know he's a he's a real na- Nicholas Cage national treasure. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Yep. So he, he is. he's uh going after all the national treasures in the galaxy. Um and that might be why he's maybe a little bit of a, he's interested in some of these things that got him in Vader's castle. He said last time he was there, he was stuck with Varane when he laid hands on an ancient Sith artifact. And that's kind of what haunted him last time. So yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And you, you called out the, art style that was especially striking in the second episode or the second issue called beware the chosen one mm. all oh these, yeah all these have had stark. a very kind of yeah um they've had really kind of cool the artists chris fengolio and francis francolava we've talked about francisco Fra- uh Lava before his art style is very distinct and i didn't know if i really liked it at first but i think it really works with this cartoon or this horror kind of vibe that's going here there's some creepy stuff that's well, it's like old especially school. in the background yeah, yeah totally. It, it's very like comic site when i was a kid they look like yeah um, there's especially on dagobah there's some really striking panels of just some creepy trees and then there's a very creepy one of luke and r2 dead yeah hanging upside down from a tree and that was so striking to me and it's really made me appreciate that art style it's yeah more sketchy more old school um in a very and messy in a very cool way and so issue two uh again it's called beware the chosen one opens with a very cartoony yeah. it's it's more it's, it's, standard it's, it's issue four it's the second one we're talking oh, about right. it's yes. issue four. Yep, thanks. It's it's more standard to the Star Wars adventure style from what yeah, I understand. It is. It is. It's um, spot on. That's all it is. 
I was, a, yeah, I was a little bit confused about what was going on because it's kind of jarring. And it there's, you know, they're in this kind of space battle and they turn around and all the pilot is gone. Jackson, the bunny rabbit is piloting the ship. And all of a sudden creepy Sith baby Anakin shows Chucky. up. We get Chucky. Anakin. Yeah. That's exactly what it looked like. It looked like Chucky is so creepy. And then she gets turned into a kid and basically Chucky Anakin is chasing this little child Lena through the ship until eventually a ghost horrifying Anakin with a flaming lightsaber corners her to kill her and she suddenly wakes up from her dream. And that's when we get snapped into this, into this back to the original art style. And you called it that. I thought that was really affecting how, even though it was the cartoony kind of goofy style before, it still was so creepy and so jarring to see them juxtaposed like that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's real creepy. Chucky mm-hmm. Anakin was, oof, I did, do not like. But what's funny is then you get like Anakin, you know, and like the clone errors, uh, clone war errors Anakin with like his lightsaber of fire. Yeah. Um, in Lena's vision. Lena's, everyone's having these weird visions, right? Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, I thought that yeah. was really fun, really creepy. Um, totally. And from a story perspective, too, you know, obviously these these creepy Vader-based visions or dreams are leading them to the castle from the story perspective. But the arc of it is really cool, too, because it culminates with she's trying to save her brother in her dream, which she's trying to do in her actual real life as well. Her brother Milo and Milo, they end up finding Milo. They're running away from this scary Anakin and they're, they both get cornered and she turns around and sees that Milo is now Darth Vader. And so it goes into this cool, and it's another cool panel where she says, I am Vader reborn, Vader renewed. And it goes into this very cool thing where it shows her fear of what's actually happening to her brother. At this point, Vader's gone, so that's not what we're exactly concerned with yet. But what's what experiments are happening to her brother on on Invader's Castle? Obviously, Van A, we learned we come to find out, has some reason for drawing them there. And it kind of sets up this idea of a Vader resurrection and her brother Milo being kind of the key to that in a kind of in a very cool way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. I, mm-hmm. And I, 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 we haven't talked about him a lot. I love Jax. I love <laughs> that. I love that Jax is here. Um, He's so sassy. Yes, sassy Jax. Mm-hmm. Sassy Jaxy. That's what I'm calling him from now on. Um, and I liked the bit. I mean, this leads us into the last one is called the Evil End, which yeah. I love this cover. Did you did you see? Yeah. Get yeah the cover with. Half Vader's castle melting into Vader's helmet. Yeah, it's very it's cool. Very, it, it reminds me of the original Vader's castles, like three years ago. Yeah, um, they all did this. Everything was inside of Vader's helmet uh, mm-hmm. art style, which they did some of some of the covers like that for this one, but not as many. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Um, and that leads us to so you're we're going through there, and they finally get to the castle, and you, we find. Milo in a Bacta tank being held. And my probably my favorite bit is they end up all getting electrocuted and kind of put to sleep by Van A, the yeah. evil attendant of Vader's castle. And he's 
doing his James Bond speech saying, yeah. I controlled all of your... I mean, I'm assuming that's what he talks about. Yeah. I don't remember how he talks, but I controlled your dreams and visions. I brought you here so I could resurrect your master. And like Jackson's like, but like, what do I have to do with any of this? And he's like, actually, I don't know. Who are you again? So yeah. it just was like, he was just like having bad dreams and ended up going on this wild chase. Just well, well Jackson had never had dreams. a bad dream, right? He just told a story about, oh, he did. He had the one about the Wookiee dream. That's yeah. Funny. Right. Yeah. So that was odd. I, I This one I, I liked this ending. I thought it was the whole the whole bit where they're all locked up and Vinay is just chatting. Mm-hmm. It, it was a bit long. Yeah, they they chat for quite a while, but the outcome is is kind of nice. And I like Vinay as this stand-in character, as like this you know servant mm-hmm. to the master, who's you know never going to stop you know trying to resurrect him. Um, but yeah, maybe it went on a bit long. It felt like they're they're needed to f- fill space here a bit. Totally. And I think that's true. And I will say again, the, so the whole thing when he's doing his James Bond villain speech, they're all tied up in this room and there's these creepy lava pit gases that he lets into the room from the vents in the floor. Uh, They say it's fumes from the lava pits beneath the castle. And Van is saying, it's dark magic. I'm going to resurrect my master. I didn't get that plan at all. It does not make sense. Well, that's the thing that I think is really fun because it turns out that it's not dark magic. I think he's just getting stoned off the fumes yeah, exactly. and he's just going crazy in this castle by himself. And so he, yeah, he's probably seeing visions because he's huffing in these fumes yeah, too I much. Exactly. And so everyone's seeing all these weird things and, you know, Van A thinks he can put the spirit of Darth Vader into Lena and resurrect Darth Vader. But she, you know, she realizes that there's no magic going on here and she t- pretends to be Darth Vader and gets the lightsaber about to execute her brother, but instead sets him free, which was kind of a cool little twist. I I, yeah. I like that. Um, it's maybe a little bit on the nose, but it, it ends with Vanna being trapped in the room with the gases going, and they're just going to leave him to For presumably starve to death <laughs> or overdose on gas yeah. fumes. I was like, okay, so, I think that's an intense punishment. Yeah, it's a brutal murder for those maybe, kids. Yeah, maybe maybe worse than just ending him, but okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just going to leave him trapped in this gas chamber while he has visions of Vader? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm, totally. And then, I mean, this is this felt a little shoehorn, but I thought it was a nice moment is, Aww. you know, they get through the gases I liked it. following a lightsaber, and then they realize, like, oh, the lightsaber that Lena had in her hand that Van A gave her ran out of juice, which I didn't know. They ran out of batteries, I guess, which I didn't know could happen. But And they're like, well, whose lightsaber are we following? Must be a ghost. Yeah. And then in the background, we see kind old Anakin ghost. We see clone errors. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was charming. Yeah, I thought it was too. I think it's a nice little button on this for having Anakin be such a scary Yeah. De- a literal ghost of the story yeah. uh, and a metaphorical ghost of the story all throughout everything and it all leading here have it be you know the actual Anakin protecting them from this place that is dangerous. I thought it was just a nice little little button on the episode which yeah, I, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. It was a nice ending. I I, uh, I have fun with these comics. I look forward to them mm-hmm. every year. Um, actually, it's kind of rekindled my my interest in comics again. I just recently nice. downloaded the Kylo Ren 
four arc series. I'm going to read that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that when we were talking about uh, Legos, the Lego spooky tales. I haven't checked those out yet and I'm going to put those on there right now. I'm going to, I'm going to revisit those because the Knights of Ren were something that was super interesting to me. So yeah, exactly. I like that. Spawn from the Legos. So, and this is the first time I've not read physical comics. Um, Mm. Kind of fun. I, I have an iPad mini that I was reading it on. I was like, this feels nice. Yeah, they do a good job. I think, you know, we've talked about it's it's important to support your local comic shop. So we both yeah, that's we both do that part. as much as we can. But especially, I mean, there's a global shipping shipping is, uh, issues going on right now. And so both of us, you know, maybe you haven't read these because you might be in the same boat as us. We both ordered these for our pull boxes and... I personally, uh, the only one that arrived in my pull boxes were issues one and two and then five. So yeah, uh, three and four, I just literally couldn't get. And so I had to end up downloading them. Yeah. And, but the experience was nice. I think they did a really good job. I know. That's the tough part is I don't want comics anymore because I had, I recently donated five full comic boxes <laughs> of yeah. old Star Wars, which is I was hard to let go of, which is funny. It's like, but I'm like, why am I holding on to these? But I don't want to let go of them. But why? Um, and but I want to really. I wish there was a way to digitally support your local comic shop. So if there is, and totally. you know one, let me know. Yeah, let me know as well. Um, and there, you know, most comic shops also have lots of other cool stuff, cool merch, cool toys, and things like that. Games. We have a great one in this this town that Mike used to live in and I live in now. So yeah, um, I. So just generally speaking, how do you feel about the series overall? What would you give it? The whole five issue arc. What kind of letter grade would you give that? I give it a strong B plus. It's an A minus, maybe. Just I'm thinking about it in terms of the other Vader's castles. I think the first one was was my favorite. I don't remember much about it, but it could just be nostalgia that's holding me, mm-hmm. holding that ranking a little lower. So yeah, maybe B plus or A minus. I They're just kind of fun. I, I can read any seasonal thing though. Seasonal readings <laughs> are really fun. Halloween and Christmas type stuff. Very excited to watch Lego Christmas again. Star Wars. Mm, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I am going to give this a solid B, I think. I enjoyed them quite a bit and I'm very glad we went on this. And I think it's just fun when people do this. Like you're saying, like seasonal stuff. I love the special one-off Christmas episode, the one-off Halloween episode. I love, you know, the Muppets haunted castle that came out, things like that. I'm vibing for this. So anything, anything, anything Muppets, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. We begin watching that about, the second week of November and just don't stop until Christmas. Beautiful. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So yeah, I think that's great. Um, If you checked out these comics and liked them or didn't like them and want to give us your thoughts, please let us know. Uh, We love hearing feedback from y'all and we have gotten a couple notes about people who have checked out a couple new things based on our recommendation, which is always a very nice thing to hear. So thank you. Mm. Any more thoughts about the comics, Mike? No, let's move on. Let's do it. Perhaps he was once part of the Sith, but then somehow broke away. If I had fought him when he was in his prime, the results may have been much different. He couldn't win against the weakness that comes with age. No matter how powerful you become, no, it will not last forever. 
so we are now closing out the last three episodes of the anime series Star Wars Vision. And we are starting this off with an episode called The Elder, which is made by the studio Trigger, which you may have recognized that name because they're the same studio that did that sh- the episode The Twins. Yep. Which I remember you liking that one quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. This one's pretty different, but I yeah. really like The Twins, yeah. Totally. So this is the story of a Jedi Knight and his Padawan. They encounter a great evil in the fringes of space, an aging sword master who wanders the galaxy looking for a worthy opponent. Mike, how did you feel about the Elder? Um, I felt fine about it. Um, it it's, you know, you get into the Sith and the Jedi and the way mm-hmm. of the Force. And there's kind of nice moments between the master and the and the you know and the learner and student master relationship, um, but it didn't really stick with it. It didn't really stick with me as much as some of the other ones. I don't know if again if it's like I want to see more of it. I don't want it. Um, yeah, it, it, this one falls kind of squarely in the middle for me. It's um, yeah, it just didn't. Something, something. I mean, maybe us chatting will unreveal mm-hmm. more, but how did you feel about it? Yeah, fair enough. So I am going to tell you my bias right up front. Um, and this is, this is kind of going to my grading that I'll talk about it is I had completely unearned, there's no, this is not an issue with the show, but I had unearned high expectations for this one because I very, I remember very, very clearly in the trailers seeing the images and the scenes of the Elder and that just stuck with me. I was like, that looks so cool and so fascinating. Whatever story it is, I bet you that's the best one. I bet I'm so excited for this one. And then so I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. And yeah. I think the reason there's some stuff in this I really, really like. And it's I think there's no way to review it without reviewing or revisiting kind of our thoughts on the twins because it is made by the same studio, is they said in the filmmaker focus that they purposely wanted to make this a much more different story than the twins. This mm. one's quieter. It's more pensive. And, you know, the twins was very action packed and colorful and the twins is kind of more what trigger generally does as a studio. So they purposely wanted to show a different style of what they could do. And if I remember my issues with the twins was I, you know, it was a little intense for me. The action was cool, but it was just, it felt very like kind of standard anime, like his power levels are off the charts. That's incredible. And just like punching people into the universe. And then the other thing was I thought the writing was just a little bit, you know, basic and not that like, not, not deep, especially compared to some of these other ones. Um, And so I think I like this better because it, addresses one of my issues with it. I did like the quieter, more pensive version or issues about this or the, the you know, what the, the issues they're dealing with in this story. Hmm. Um, I felt this was a story about ego in a lot of ways, you know, and we've seen this a lot. This is a very kind of classic thing where there's like an eager and impatient Padawan 
someone who has never really dealt with the Sith before, and he's like, I want to go and kick some butt, just like Luke leaving Dagobah when Yoda says, you're not ready, don't do it, and he's like, I'm going to do it anyway, or Anakin rushing in to take on Dooku and getting his ass kicked in in Revenge of the Clones. Um, So it's a kind of classic thing with that, and, you know, he almost dies because of his ego, and the thing that I really liked was that the arc of the episode is talking about how the Jedi master at the end, the Padawan recovers. And the the lesson that he teaches his Padawan is we are all fading. This is all temporary. Power isn't necessarily evil. What you do with power is what makes you a good or bad person on the light side or the dark side. And with power, you can protect people. But you also have to realize your power is going to wane. It's going to go away. And the Jedi can let go of that. He can say, I was lucky because I was able to defeat this Sith bad guy because he has gotten weaker in his old age. But this Sith Lord seems to not be able to deal with that. He's still seeking out dangers and the challenge to kind of prove his ego, you know, kind of feed his ego of like, I'm still the biggest baddie in the universe. And maybe if he could be okay with his impending doom and his fate, he wouldn't have been killed in this duel. Right. Yeah. 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 That, that was the kind of pensive part that I really did enjoy. A lot to respond to there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Like overall agree. I, I think, I think for me where, what's so great about this episode is also where it falls down, which is the elder is the most interesting character to me. Mm-hmm. We've seen the master and the student before. It's like a, it's an archetype within fantasy, if not just star, star if star Wars, not just fantasy as a whole, mm-hmm. that's pretty played out of the young and eager and the old and, you know, a, a little more experienced. The elder is just, God, that character is so interesting. Mm-hmm. So much about him, him, mm-hmm. him killing a student to get to the master, to get the challenge, the whole bit where he, you know, self-destructs the ship and he, you know, fades at the end, uh, his, his kind of his one line quips about like, Oh, how boring you are to the, to the student. And mm-hmm. to me, he's the most interesting character because I love this almost Darth Maul hungry for a challenge type of character. Yeah. Um, and so, but when he's gone, that's why for me, this episode is like, a, I don't want to see more because I'm like, I don't really care about the student and the master because I've seen totally. these, I've seen these, this story before, but the elder is the unique element, which I'm interested in, but he's gone now. So <laughs> I'm, I don't really want to see more. Um, but, um, I, you know, so maybe I did enjoy it overall because the elder is such a different character. Um, but you know, student and the master. That's all this. That's like the heart of star Wars. Yeah, I I agree. And that's, that's kind of what I'm saying too, about it being a little bit basic is, you know, the elder is such an interesting character and we've seen the student and master. And even in students and masters, these two don't seem that interesting. They're just very basic, you know, run of the mill Jedi and Padawan. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I definitely honed in on that and that's part of what left me tepid too. I think there's two things that I, I found in my research that kind of touch on what you said. The first is, you know, calling out this student master thing, something the director said that I thought was kind of interesting is 
And it goes to this arc of your life that I think he was trying to imbue in this story. And the ego is, you know, this guy is a master director and he's, I think they mentioned this might be one of his last things he ever does because he's done so much prolific work and saying he has been a teacher and currently is a teacher right now in his older age, but he also started as a student. And so he knows what it's like to have your ego and be hungry and grinding like that. So he wanted to show a story that both a young person, an older, wiser person could relate to. And I think also, you know, that maybe that speech at the end that the Jedi master is saying where soon my power will go away and I won't be, I will be weak soon. And you, my student will be powerful. That might be him kind of coming to terms with his, you know, mortality in a cool way as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And then the other interesting thing you you mentioned, you pointed out this um that the elder was the most interesting character. I think the elder has a couple really cool things going for it. I mean, we talked about James Hong. Uh James Hong showed up in uh in Rebels and has some cool stuff in Blade Runner and other you, if you looked him up, you would know this guy. He's a very cool voice actor and actor. And he is the voice for both the Japanese and English play, uh, portrayal of the elder. And so James Hong did a great job as this crazy, eccentric uh Sith elder that I thought was very cool. But the other thing that's interesting is so the studio created everything, but they actually outsourced the design of the character and ship design for this. So they outsourced it to to a woman named Kaomi Shirahama, and she is a well-known manga artist. And so I noticed that is that I thought that this, you know, is a little bit of a milk toast, kind of boring episode except for the things that stood out before i knew that was that the design of the elder was so cool and that sith ship you were talking about was a very very cool very striking design and so she did a great job with that i don't i don't feel like she's getting enough recognition for how cool that design is yeah yeah it's a cool design i really i I remember latching onto that ship and thinking it's so interesting Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love that it's self, I love this self-destruct mm-hmm. moment because I love when you have something so cool and then it's taken away instead of like, Oh, it exists in the, I don't know. It's just like a, mm-hmm. totally. there's something great about them giving it and then taking it away really fast. I, yeah. And I feel like he says something too, like that's a, it looks like a ship, a Sith ship, but not one I'm familiar with. So it feels very like this was a one of a kind ship and now it's just yeah. gone. Just like the one of a kind elder. And I just want to call out that the, the design of the elders eyes was so cool and expressive. He keeps his eyes closed for most of the story, but every once in a while they peek up and you see these evil pu- pupa. And it's just, I thought it was very cool and very striking. So mm. that I thought was very cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'll also call out that the Jedi teacher was played by David Harbour, who I just, I just love. So that's also a plus for the story. Huh. I did not realize that. Yeah, was the whole time I was like, who's that voice? Who's that wow. voice? Who's that voice? And I had to look it up because it was so familiar to me. And then, yeah, yeah. it makes a lot of sense now. Uh, yeah, if you don't know him, he's Hellboy or and um, yeah. like, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, Black he, Widow. Yeah, he's in the new Black Widow movie. He's awesome in that movie. He's I really like him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so do you have any other thoughts about the elder? No, that's it. That cool. Is- so, so on the record, Mike, did you like this story? 
Uh, yeah, you know, again, it falls in in the nine, and maybe we'll give our ranking of all of these. But in the nine, Ooh, it falls yeah, it, it, it falls higher in the middle. Um, overall, enjoyed it. Don't want more because the most interesting parts are gone: the ship, the elder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. And again, with my bias of already had coming in with high expectations, I'd say, you know, I'll give this one a solid C. It does the job. It's yeah. a cool, there's cool things. There's things I didn't like as much. Um, but yeah, did you like this art style, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not nothing revolutionary. It's, it's, it feels like, uh, there's moments that felt very Studio Ghibli to me. Um, mm-hmm. Is like my main reference point. It, it, I like it, it but it, it feels a little just tried and true. Nothing extraordinary, but I, I like it. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll say generally, I will say no because hmm. it is, you know, it's not that I hated it. I'll, I'll give this like a C minus. So, like, just a little bit below average. It looks like. Generally speaking, yeah, generic anime and nothing really stuck out in a way that I liked that much, other than the manga elements. Um, what again, Kamome, uh, Kamome Shirama, what she did, I love what she did. So I will, I'm gonna grade that as an A and then I'll grade cool. the rest of it as yeah. a D. And I don't know what that averages out to, probably my math is bad, but you know. I'm, that's how I feel about the art for this one. That's yeah, that's fair. That is fair. All right, let's talk about. I'm actually pretty excited about talking about Lob and Acho oh. by Studio Geno, which is the story of two sisters who must decide the fate of their planet should they join the Empire or fight to preserve the natural beauty of their home world. This short also introduces fans to Lop, a new hero inspired by a classic Marvel character who we may have just talked about. Oh my God! Was this inspired by Jax? Really? Yeah, it totally was. So they oh, talk about funny. that in the in the filmmaker focus is that they 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 were uh, they looked at Jackson for this specifically, and that's why um, it's not it's not so the species called a uh, lepi, and Jax is green. So it's not clear if this character of Lop is a lepi, just like a different color. Cause we've seen those with lots of different species in, uh, star Wars is, you know, there's different, you have different colors to your skin or your fur scales or what, what have you. Sure. Um, and she's a little smaller than Jax too. And so we don't know if that's just a characteristic of their species or it's just, it's just, uh, inspired by that character. But yeah, they called out, this is a Jax inspiration for sure. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, um, so before I get into it, um, how did you feel about Lop and Ocho? I liked it. Um, this one sits pretty high for me. Um, I, if it, uh, What I like about it is they're, they're touching on, although not completely new themes, they're themes that feel more tangential to Star Wars instead of like core, like master and student. Yeah. Um, this is almost taking a Rogue One approach uh, or a... Uh, kind of like a Mandalorian approach of, you know, an empire in place and how people within this system, but outside of the Jedi, you know, the heart of the Jedi order are dealing with it and how 
the empire affects civilization and how, you know, it affects families and how it affects relationships and how it's kind of, um, you know, tearing things apart. But mm-hmm. I also love, you know, I love the new character we get, uh, who's so unique. And I like that. This is, feels like it's taking a chance and, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. How do you, how do you, overall you feel? I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I so again, my biases. This is almost the opposite of the Elder. Yeah, because I, when I saw this character, I was instantly just like, "Ah, oh, this is gonna be like another kitty one where it's just like too cutesy," and eh, I'm not. This is probably gonna suck. And then I was just sucked into this so much. I loved it a lot. Um, and yeah, I thought Lop was a great character. I thought it was p- played well. I thought the design was cool. Like you said, they took a chance. I like the fact that Lop is kind of a... Um, they don't really... I might have felt better if it was, you know, this was a story that took place on a bunny planet and everyone were bunnies and like they're frolicking through the forest, like fighting like mushroom monsters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I like that it's she's kind of an orphan in this strange world and doesn't know a lot about her past and she gets adopted by this family and she's kind of this fish out of water and the family dynamics of that and the lightsaber being passed down even though she's not blood family and that being a source of conflict toward the end that was all so cool and I really 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 liked it. Yeah. Um and I should say too, I mentioned it that it introduces Lop to this as we're talking about her. So they have already announced that they are going to do some more stories with Lop too. So oh, much wow. like uh, the Ronin character from the first issue, this is the oh, other awesome. one that's going to be branched out into some other things as well. That's so good. That's going to be very cool. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to ask you because I think you you're you're a little more familiar with Japanese cinema than I. Um, even though I love so many things about Japanese culture, I'm not that familiar with the movies. They talked about how this was inspired by Japanese gangster movies, which makes so much sense to me. If you think about it in America, how much of a mythology we have around the gangster culture with the Sopranos and Goodfellas and millions of gangster movies and things like that. There's a big organized crime issue in Japan through the Yakuza. And it makes sense that there would be kind of very similar Yakuza movies. And when you look at it through that lens that, you know, the dad in this story is the head of a Yakuza family and the new government is coming in and kind of stamping down on this organized crime ring. And he needs to decide, are we going to fight and try to save this family or are we going to join the empire? And that's the struggle of it. I think, you know, putting that in the context of something like Godfather, or, you know, a classic 70s gangster movie makes it feel so much cooler for me as well. Are you familiar with it, with that genre at all? Have you seen any cool Japanese yeah. gangster movies? Yeah, none I can quote, but I mean, it, it definitely picked up on those themes here. And it's it's part of what made this a little more complex of a story, too. It's not so straightforward. It's not like you can't tell what kind of legacy, you know, their, you know, Ocho's family has left on their world, good or mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's ambiguous at, at best. I, I mean, although they seemed obviously very tied to the, the Jedi, they don't seem tied to the Jedi in a way that's like, we uphold their way of life necessarily. It's more like, 
<laughs> this Jedi came to our planet and we get we kept their lightsaber and it's been in our family. Yeah. It's like that's not necessarily uh you can't necessarily say that you know so so logic would dictate this family is you know on the light side. Um, I I I don't know, but I, clearly it, there is a connection to the Force there uh, mm-hmm. with the father. You know, at the end, pressing into the ground and this kind of. You know him telling his uh, him telling Woke to confirm what's happening with her own eyes and not with you know the <laughs> her Google glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> Good reference. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought that was a cool thing. The passing down of the lightsaber is very interesting to me. There were a couple cool rituals that were put into this story, like the cutting of the hair, which we've seen in a lot of things to signify a, a change in a character in Japanese culture. We saw it with Kanan. And that was directly inspired from samurai stuff. Um, and we see that with Ocho when she joins the Empire. And finally, oh, and this thing is brutal when she, you know, takes her blood and uses it as eyeshadow. Like, how goth is that? I know. I love that. I know. And so that ritual. And then this ritual of passing the lightsaber down. I think you bring up a really good point. You know, I didn't. The connection of the the crime family didn't really come to me until after I saw the filmmaker focus and was going deeper into the story. But looking back and filtering the story through that is you're right. You know, it's ambiguous whether they are a good family or a bad family. And it's, you know, we're thinking about this story being the good guys, the sister turns bad and goes to the empire, but it's probably much more realistic if it is based on Yakuza things and just the vibe of seeing, you know, all these people who know how to fight and have their special weapons and have a lot of money from some, for some reason on this kind of planet that looks like it's a little run down. They're probably bad guys. This is actually kind of a story of, you know, one form of bad guy being taken out by another form of bad guy, uh, which makes it a little more interesting to me. And I, I like what you said about passing the lightsaber down. We don't know, you know, was their family, uh, were, did they have Jedi in their family and it got passed down to them and, you know, eventually just someone broke bad and kind of like corrupted that idea. Did they kill a Jedi that visited their planet and take their lightsaber? We don't know. Um, and that stuff I think is very, very interesting to me as well. Yeah. Um, it's, the one thing that maybe highlights that it, it was all done, it was done well and out of like um, any kind of, you know, dark side intention was just the, the father's connection, seeming connection to the force. Yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, but it's it's really hard to tell. It's interesting actually in that moment too. Um, there's a symbol in like, you know, when he, when they're scrolling through, the story of the Jedi and how the techniques mm. were passed down by generations. At the end, there's this, the last, and I don't even know where these symbols are, the symbols on the ground. The last one on the ground is the, uh, the family looking up at a X-wing flying away. <laughs> if you remember. And then above that, there's this symbol that loosely looks like a combination of the rebellion symbol mixed with the Jedi symbol. And huh. I, I have not been able to figure out what it is. I don't know if you remember if you remember seeing that. That's really interesting. I don't remember seeing that. I need to I need to revisit it. But that, yeah, it's again the ambiguity of the story. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see more. I will say one of the things that I had a bias towards liking it and and Lope 
is that she reminded me of her style and kind of cartoony style of her reminded me of Final Fantasy IX, <laughs> which is yeah. my favorite Final Fantasy. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. See, it reminded me of, and I'm, I'm a much more dark person thinking about especially my fellow humans, but it reminds me of the the bunny, the girl bunny from the Bugs Bunny cartoon. So they added in like Space Jam and oh, stuff funny. like that. And I I was like, I love this character, but I'm not looking forward to how weirdos are going to sexualize this rabbit. Ah, There's going to be okay. some weird stuff on the internet, I'm sure, and I am not into that. Uh, weird. Okay. I wasn't really... <laughs> wasn't really anchoring there, but okay. That's yeah. I'm just being real. That was in my head and I'm just, I am sorry that that is going to happen. And it is. Yeah. Look up, look up the history of cartoon bunnies. There are lots of cartoon (laughs) bunnies that people actually don't. You're going to get some weird ads if you start searching for that. Yeah. Um, The only other thing I want to say about the story that it really stood out to me is again, just the brutality of it and maybe it's just i just love that it's not this cartoon thing the fact that the dad only had one eye and then in the end the sister cuts out his Ooh. second eye Whew. that was brutal yeah wow. i know and it's it is brutal mm-hmm. um i will say that it ends so well and it ends in such an opening uh for more yep um, absolutely it i I'm excited to see. I have so many questions that I'm excited to see this one play out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, does Lope have any connection? I mean, she clearly has a connection to the force cause she uses it to pull one of the swords back. Right. Yeah, totally. So it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to explore this. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to keep an eye out for more, more. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Is it Lope or Lop? I don't remember. Lop, Whatever. Lope. Lop, Lope. Lop. I don't know. Uh, well, I will keep an eye out for whatever she is going to be a part of because, yeah, this is a very cool character, I think, and a very cool setting and story. So I loved this one. Um, so let's get you on the record. All right. Did you like this story? I I did. I really like this story. And the art style, kind of similar response to the last one. I liked it. Um, nothing revolutionary, nothing wild. I thought, but I thought there were some really beautiful moments. It wasn't mm-hmm. the most like beautifully striking like some of these have been. Um, or, but um, I like it, and I could yeah. definitely roll with the whole series of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, did I like this story? I think. Yep, this one's an A plus. I think. Yeah. We. There, I don't know what else to say that I haven't already said. This one was great. Yeah. Um, did I like the style? I actually, I th- I loved this style. Mm-hmm. There are a couple really cool things I really really enjoyed about this, and I think it's probably the pastiche of the gangster movies. I'm sure this is kind of alluding to it, even though I'm not that familiar. Mm-hmm. They put this film grain over it all. Yeah. So, you know, that's an old thing that if you're shooting in low light with actual film, it gets very grainy and it, it could be a very cool effect if you use it right. And they added it digitally to, to a bunch of stuff, especially the darker scenes. Mm. And I thought that looked really, really cool. Um, I liked the character design and things like that. There's another thing I learned that I thought really worked for me is so all the backgrounds in this short were all hand painted with actual paint. And they scanned the backgrounds in and then animated on top of the physical art. And I thought that was a very cool st- cool thing stylistically that I'd never heard of anyone doing. So oh, wow. I thought that was very cool. The only thing I'll call out is 
I was like, like, what the hell was going on with the opening CGI? Like, I thought like my my TV was broken or something like that. Huh. Like, maybe it was. I don't know what was going on, but like, maybe I had motion smoothing on, which is a bane of our existence. But I thought like the there's like a weird 3D like ship going weird. into the atmosphere, and I was just like, what the hell is this? And then like that went away, and everything was fine after that. Wow. Did that did it did uh, it not look weird to you? No, or I didn't notice. Looks okay. fine on my end. Okay, I am. I am. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It really threw me off. But other than that, I loved this. I loved this art style. So interesting. All right. Yeah, this is a great one to me. All right, and then the last one is called Akakiri. This one was done by Science Saru, which is the same studio that did T.O.B. One. And this one is billed as a painful love story. A Jedi will do anything to protect a princess when a Sith warlord threatens. Peace. How did you feel about this one? I really like this one. Um, I I don't know. I really I I I'm just gonna jump the gun. I yeah. this this art style is so it's so stylistic, and I'm really into it. Um, I could see I could see and understand why people might not like it, but it was so just stylized in a way that it's just an interesting world and way mm-hmm. to explore Star Wars. Um. And I don't know what you call this art style, but mm-hmm. kind of the exaggerated features of kind of everyone like lengthened and widened and um and a lot of the background was just really beautiful. I I I just found it really compelling. If like almost the art style alone is what drew me in than the story, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um I thought this was great as well. I thought this story was, and and again, I think it's hard for me to separate this without comparing it to T.O.B. One, the other story that Science Saru did. And so I think it's very similar in the sense that, um, as the last conversation we had with Trigger, that they took some of the hints of what I liked with T.O.B. One. You know, I remember I talked about there was some weirdness to T.O.B. One that, felt really interesting to me of just like goofy like almost peewee's playhouse kind of weirdness and they took that into a darker weirdness with this yeah you know the art style just some of the stuff that happens and it is just like the sith design the design of the sith auntie which is such an interesting thing to me which again i mean they might sexualize that sith auntie too if i'm being honest there's some weirdos out there on the internet but the weirdness of this, they took that and really blew it out into a darker, more interesting, deeper place that I like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the art style didn't work as much for me for T.O.B. One, but it was very distinguished. You know, they were trying something. They were doing something different. And so they did that again here. They did something different. It, mm-hmm. The art style felt, like you were saying, is like almost abstract. Like, yeah. It was very comic book like, or like a children's book. Like, um, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I get just very cool uh, stories. And then you know, this piece of art direction and just direction is as the story goes on, and we don't know exactly what's happening, but the main Jedi is having a these these visions that are kind of incapacitating him you don't know what they are yet and it turns out that he's seeing 
he's seeing himself murder his love interest in the future. And it's driving him to try to make that not happen. And in doing so, he ends up doing exactly what he didn't want to do. And that's his fall to the dark side. And if you'll notice in the art direction, as the story goes on, the color palette of the story gets redder and redder. Yeah. I mean, obviously at the end, it's full on, just everything's a red filter, but, you know, start popping up as halfway through, you know, there's some red armor over there. There's some red, you know, paint on the wall, things like that. And it just gets more and more and more until the very end. And I thought thematically that was a very cool touch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really liked it. Um, I definitely picked up on that. You're, you're, you're full on red at the end there. Um, yeah. And I, I'll say I love the two guides. It felt very, you know, hearkening back to Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2 were those two kind of comical guides who lead you through it, but also are kind of have some wisdom baked into them. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because in the, film, in the filmmaker's uh, focus, they talk about how this story is obviously inspired by Star Wars, but they are also taking specific inspiration from Hidden Fortress, which yeah. inspired Star Wars. So this is, you know, snake eating its own tail kind of thing, where exactly what you said, those two guides were based on... Um, it was so obvious. Yeah. yeah, two characters from Hidden Fortress, but those two characters from, from Hidden Fortress are what inspired R2-D2 and C-3PO. So, you know, it's... It's a big old mess of honoring yourself and honoring other things, and and but it's uh, I think it's kind of fun, and I thought those characters were fun as yeah. well. Yeah, it works. Yeah, one of them was played by George Takai, which is uh, I just <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. That that was great. Um, and so the the interesting one one interesting interesting thing I saw online is that people are trying to figure out where this takes place and I think the answer personally is that this is like some alternate history and none of the clues really matter and it's doesn't really it's not canon so yeah you're probably reading too much into it but the thing that is kind of interesting is that it features a B-wing starfighter so I would think that this took place you know in ancient times, old, old Republic times where there were more Sith and more Jedi just kind of roaming around, not really organized. Um, but the fact that there's a B-Wing means that it had to have been after Rebels. And since the Jedi are around again, that means maybe it was even after Rise of Skywalker when the Jedi Order has been restored. Yeah, but but I, yeah. I, yeah. So I just wanted to call that out because yeah. some people are debating it. My opinion is, yeah, none of that matters. And it's probably yeah. just like some indeterminate story that they're not trying to tie in anything. And they probably just were like, hey, B-Wings are cool. Let's put yeah. a B-Wing in. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. I I will say I always think it's there's an uh, some really beautiful shots in this one of like mm-hmm. you know of them, especially the travel moments, which is like these very two D still moments where like a boat is going across the water in the fog, or you know they're on these camel like animals going through the desert, um, yeah. and it's just really pretty moments like that. And but I always find it funny when I see a boat in Star Wars. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I'm just, I, I think it's such an interesting, like, oh, yeah, boats still exist in this universe. Yeah, uh, that, is, that is pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the only time I can think of one, there was one in Phantom Menace, right? 
one Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, yep. I forgot the Mandalorian one, but yeah, for some reason it feels very odd. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I, I like that I wrote in my notes is I really like the line rating where he really dramatically goes, nothing is predestined. Yeah. And I feel like I could just like start using that. Like, Hey, you want to go get a beer on Friday night? Nothing is predestined. <laughs> so that's going to be my email signature for, nothing for work emails from now on in all caps. I'll yeah. Nothing is predestined all caps. Um, so Unless you have any other notes you want to talk about for this nope. story. Nope. Let's get you on the record. Did you like this story? I did. I did like the story. Um, I don't know that I want to see more because it feels like it's ended to some degree. Yeah. Um, it felt like really self-contained and kind of nicely wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked it. And I really liked the art. I liked the art style more than the story, even though the story was great and very nuanced and new. Um I, I think the art, I think this might've been one of my favorite art styles. Mm, yeah. 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 How about you? Yeah. I like the story too. And we, we didn't touch on this specifically. You know, we talked about how the main Jedi fell and become a Sith acolyte underneath that Sith Lord. Um, another touch that I did really enjoy was that he, or he is promised by this, this, uh, Sith woman, that they can save his love interest that he just murdered with the dark side, just like Palpatine did. And But it, the difference is that this, I forgot the name of the Sith baddie, the Sith baddie actually follows through and they do yeah. resurrect the love interest. And that love, yeah. Yeah, and that scene of, you know, the Jedi walking away from her and putting the evil hood up and going along with his new master. I just, it's such a cool, tragic thing. Yeah. Uh, nice touch of just, you know, he got what he wanted. He saved her life, but, you know, did he lose everything for it? Uh, it was, I thought that was a really cool touch. And, you know, the, those touches, the, the arc of this story, how thoughtful it was. I, I loved this story as well. So yeah. I'm on the record. This is a this is a great story for me. I, I liked this one quite a bit. And for the art style, again, it's we talked about that as well. It's great. I, I really like the art style. Very creative, very new, and really engaging. So yeah. I I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Well, Bef- well, well I was gonna say before we close out, you mentioned do you yep. want to try to do a ranking in real time? I hadn't thought about this, but yeah, I've, I'm I've ready to do them, it. I, I've written them out. I don't know if you had the chance. I didn't. Let, why don't you do it? And I'm looking at the list right now, and I will put mine in order while you are reading your list. All right. Well, I'm going to stop. start um, bottom to top so I can reveal my favorite. So out of the nine at the bottom, and I'm going to say pretty far down at the bottom, like squarely mm. at the bottom for me is Toby, T-O-B-1. Um, eighth is Tatooine Rhapsody. Seventh is the Ninth Jedi. Now, there's a big gap for me between seven and eight. So I like all these ones. Oh, my God. That's all all I'm going to say for now. Um, Well, here, you have to hear me out. You you interrupted me. So, Peter. Wow. That may be the most annoying thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a big gap between seven and eight. So eight being Tatooine Rhapsody, 
kind of these top six here, or sorry, these top seven are all really close. I like them quite a bit. And so it being seven, it's just in relativity to the others. Um, but I do put Tatooine Rhapsody and TOB one pretty far at the bottom. So it would be it would be seventh the ninth Jedi, sixth the village bride, fifth Akiri, um, what we just talked about. I think that's how you say it. Um, fourth, the elder, third, the duel, second, Lope and Ocho, and first, the twins. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I respect that. I still stand by my wows. Okay. Um, I do respect that though. And I think looking at your list and hearing your list, I do get what you're saying. And I think that's, um, I think that's actually kind of interesting to think about this in retrospect because I have quite a gap as well. I think I have more things in the bottom than I do in the top. But, you know, the fact that the majority of these episodes, you know, there's a there's kind of a very clear lower tier and then a big gap between the middle tier and the lower tier shows that overall this is a pretty successful series, I think. I, I think this was very... This is a very cool experiment, and I really like that they let the creators do whatever they wanted, even if some of them were misses, and more of them were hits than misses, which is great. So I will share my list. And so our last two are very similar. I just, I think I dislike Tatooine Rhapsody more than I dislike T.O.B. One. So I'm going to say Tatooine Rhapsody is my least favorite, followed by T.O.B. One. I know you disagree with this, but I am actually going to put the twins mm. as my next one. Yeah, I knew that. F- followed by the elder. So those are my kind of, I'll say my lower tier. Even though I like the elder, that might be in the mid tier, but I'd say Tatooine Rhapsody, TOB1, and the twins are kind of my lower wow. tier ones. Okay. You know what? Actually, that's not even fair to the twins because that had a little more going for it. I'm just going to say Tatooine Rhapsody and T.O.B. One are in the low tier yeah. by themselves. Agreed. Then there is kind of a gap. So the middle tier, I'd say, is the twins followed by the elder. I'd say after that, this is where it gets hard. I actually am going to lean towards the duel being my, what is this? So ninth, eighth, seventh, sixth, so fifth. So that's right in the middle for mm-hmm. me is the duel. Okay. So four... I am going to put, this is hard. I'll say Akakiri, the one we just saw. I really liked that one. So so now the top four I'm saying is our top tier. So, you know, these are the ones that I really liked. The Village Bride I'm putting third. Okay. Lopinocho as second. And I am saying the Ninth Jedi is my favorite one. I freaking loved the Ninth Jedi. Oh, wow. Okay. I yeah. Wow. Well, so, we're, um, I mean, we have two of the same ones in the top, which are Lope and Ocho and the Duel. So, yeah. That's interesting. But then, yeah. but then our number ones couldn't be more far away. My number one is the Twins. And my seventh is the Ninth Jedi. And yeah. you almost have that flipped. You're not first is the Ninth Jedi, and your seventh is the Twins. So, that's interesting. That is very interesting. For some reason, I just assumed you would make the Duel your first, but. I think you you had it pretty high up, so you should you should send me your list, and maybe we'll tweet out our official rankings um, and put them on our Instagram and tweet and Twitter 
for people. I think that is a, that would be a cool idea. Cool. So thank you for going on this spooky journey for us and this journey to other cultures. Before we sign off, I wanted to share one quick listener email we got, if that's okay with you, Mike. Oh, yeah. So this one, I need to say big apologies. The, the The first email was actually sent in July, but... Uh, it got lost, and so I did not see it for until October. Um, nice. And so this is actually a theory about Bad Batch. So going back to our Bad Batch review, this is from our friend Bear, and also Bear messaged us on Instagram once to share a picture of her very cute puppy named Sabine. So this email is from Bear and Sabine. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you for reaching out again. In July, she said, I was studying away with my Filoni supremacy playlist, which sounds dope. Um, I know you like you have some Star Wars wor- uh, studying oh, yeah. and work playlists, so I appreciate that. But she was listening to her Filoni supremacy playlist, and Omega's theme came on. And boy, howdy, do I have thoughts. My theory, Omega will sacrifice herself at the end of the show, maybe to save Crosshair. Evidence. Basically, Omega has not earned this version of the theme. It's big, it's sad, it's proud, honorable, all sorts of emotional things. It gives me Battlestar Galactica vibes, which we are into that. She says, I am a fan of Omega for sure, but I don't think anything has happened yet to warrant her getting a solo trumpet with military drums. I think something bigger needs to happen for her to get a hero moment to really own this track. And so I thought that was actually an interesting thing because we've talked about how we love the music and the music is so intentional in Star Wars. So usually it does mean something when there is these big emotional tracks and themes of characters, but we don't always notice the music. So these emails are great for us. Um, So she sent that in before the finale of Bad Badge in October. I finally emailed her back. Sorry again. Um, And she responded, yeah, the finale really torpedoed my theory. I'm actually super torn about the finale. On one hand, it didn't feel like a finale at all. But on the other hand, I kind of liked how it wasn't predictable. I know a lot of people on Reddit were expecting the traditional special guest reveal. And I'm really glad that didn't happen, which I think we agree with. She continues, I think the episode could have had a bigger emotional moment, but now that season one is over, I'm leaning more towards the music just being standard that all the main characters get a big theme rather than it being some underlying meaning. But who knows, maybe Filoni and Kinner are playing 4D chess. So she she's kind of thought a little bit more. Obviously, nothing big, no big sacrifice of Omega in this season finale, but we do know we're getting more Bad Batch, so... Maybe let's keep an eye on Omega's theme music and see if she does something big. And maybe she is a person to sacrifice herself at the end of this to save Crosshair. Because again, that's kind of one of the not not traditional things about this finale is Crosshair didn't join the group really in any meaningful way. Um, So, you know, we'll see. But thank you for sending that in. Thank you, Bear. And say hi to Sabine for us. Sabine is a very cute puppy. If you want to message us or send us any other emails, we will read it out on the show. I promise I won't wait three months to get to it. Next time, you can email us at rebelsrebelspod on, at gmail.com. That is also our handle on Instagram and on Twitter, rebelsrebelspod and 
please stay tuned to something a little bit different. I am really stoked about these fun Star Trek tracks we are doing. Mike, anything else or you want to kick us out of here? Yeah, remember, until next time, to be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back.